I, wa I want her. I swear I do. I, I love her. I love her. Sinner. 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 No, no, no. Sinner. Oh, no, I want Sinner. her. I swear Sinner. I want her. Sinner. I love her. Sinner. I, I love her. <laughs> of Matthew, don't be a crybaby. Cry baby, 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 which is titled Unfit. And today I have with me Tim Hines, our special guest. Uh, you may remember his name. He wrote in some feedback before as Commander Hines. So thanks for joining me today, Tim. Please introduce yourself. Let people know who you are and what you do. Ah, oh, well, thank you for having me on. Thank you for reading my feedback in the past and uh, doing this podcast. So if anybody hasn't been familiar with the DVR podcast network. I'm uh, down with those guys and w ladies over there. And uh, we do a bunch of different podcasts. I also play music for uh, a living and I uh, play in the outdoors for my other half of my living. And uh, I enjoy TV for, I guess, the rest of my time. So, you know, I like to uh, dish it up, do some podcasts and, you know, talk about some things. And uh, when I heard that you were starting this, Game of Thrones had just been ending and I needed a new show. And this gave me the kick in the pants to get involved and get depressed, but get entertained <laughs> at the same time. And once I caught up and it was about, I think your second episode, I was just hooked. And I think you're doing a fabulous job. And I did write in and jokingly say I was Commander Hines, but I don't know, after after this, you know, stellar few episodes you've been putting out, this episode, I'm going to have to go with uh, Of Gina. Oh, wow. That is like super high praise. That's like, I'm sure that is, you know, maybe uh, the ideal world of the absolute opposite of, um, of Gilead. I mean... Uh, yeah, we'll, we'll see, but thank you. I really appreciate that. Um, so uh, entertaining. Yeah, that's when I read your feedback and I, I think it was in the show I did with Axel. I'm just like, oh yes, and he's Commander Hines. And I know Axel and I got a big uh, kick out of that. It was great. Um, no, but I mean, yeah, this, uh, this show is super polarizing and super crazy. Yeah, so thank you so much for joining me for this episode. And why don't we, I mean, it was this was almost like two different episodes within an episode. Um, we have, you know, the main storyline we have, and then we got a lot of backstory on Aunt Lydia, who's someone that I'd been really curious about for a very long time, at least the past year, because we really only had like kind of two minor facts about her that... Um, that she used to smoke and that she had a sister who had a baby that, that died at like four days old. But, you know, we got, we got a lot more information about her this time. So I don't know what, what was your perception about Aunt Lydia 
kind of before this episode and, and, you know, now what do you think just based on what we saw? Well, so here's the thing. I was so excited at the end of last week to find out I was going to be on the episode with you for the Aunt Lydia backstory because I knew how jazzed you were for it. And I was too, because in my mind, I'm thinking she's the total opposite and somehow got really sucked into, you know, the ways of Gilead and really hook, line and sinkered and joined in. But this was a sad backstory that just reinforced Aunt Lydia and that I feel like there is now no chance of cracking through. Yeah, no, I have to agree. Like in my wildest imagination, um, I used to think maybe Aunt Lydia was like a motorcycle mama and like ran with the gangs and maybe she's all like tatted up underneath her robes and everything, you know. I thought maybe she was kind of like born again into whatever strange religion this is. I don't want to say born again Christian because I feel like this is all Old Testament, but um, yeah, it was pretty sad. And I feel like, you know, there were some like key points in this backstory where that were like these nuggets of how she actually became Aunt Lydia, you know, which is, was pretty disturbing. Um, I think I was most surprised to find out what her former professions had been. I think, you know, like a couple of friends of mine that went to Catholic school thought, oh, she, she'd been like a Catholic school teacher, maybe not a nun, but a Catholic school teacher. But I mean, it turned out she was kind of like a kindergarten or elementary school teacher. And then before that, she practiced family law, which I didn't anticipate she would actually have that much education. That was kind of a surprise to me. And it was, it seemed to be a uh, a religious school. So um, like a Catholic school, because the way her and uh, Principal Thorne were talking, like they were, you know, quoting scripture, you know, in between different lines of, you know, they were saying to each other. So that also like added to her sternness, like, knowing that she had already these rules in place and then like knowing the aunt Lydia we know from the current time. So aunt Lydia was, you know, obviously has a set of rules and guidelines that we see already from this Catholic school and from with, you know, just the way she was caring, uh, quoting scripture and, kind of leads in to the Lydia we knew. And then I was expecting like, all right, here's the twist of how different she is. But it, it just, all the, the scorning and like her, every time she would turn to like, look like it was going to be like really positive for her. It just complete negativity. And that's exactly how she's been the entire series. Yeah. I mean, I think it was so interesting because, I mean, she definitely kind of self-sabotages and it seems like she's trying to walk this really pious road. And so I feel like that maybe this is the first of, 
I feel like there's another Aunt Lydia episode to be had. We know that we know from this that she was actually married before. So she was probably, you know, either divorced or widowed. And I'm kind of leaning well, towards divorce. She said mistake. She yeah, she said thing. it was a mistake. I mean, what does that mean? Right. So you yeah. might be right. Like maybe there is more because as we come to see, like when she does get some confidence, goes on that, that date with uh, Principal Thorne, that she's a little aggressive. And maybe in the past, her aggressiveness, like you said, might have led her to some finding uh, being maybe born again or finding, you know, the Lord and helping her get on some kind of path that she needed to fix. So there might be more to that because she, she, she flips on a dime. Like, it, you know, we see just the, just the decision with the, you know, Oh, come have some chili. And, and like is so mad about the, the mom and then invites her for chili and the, talking about, we must let people in and be kind and open our doors. It was almost like the, uh, in game of Thrones, the, uh, what is it? Uh, guest guest rights like you know like oh, so. yeah. and you know and i'm thinking like wow like she's got like a big heart she really cares and then you see that story building with no the mom the, the young mom noel and and ryan like they're spending time like almost like becoming friends and you see that she switches her job after complaining about getting hit on which you know obviously bothered Lydia, I, and I'm going to assume her name is Lydia then too, because yeah. they never say a first name, but, um, you know, like that whole thing, like transition, like she gives her a gift from, I got a discount and it was makeup. So she didn't work in a restaurant anymore. So she was right. bettering herself. Like her job was working and Lydia's job was working and everything was so good. And the, you know, they built such a, a closeness and then that it was like one like second of getting turned down just ruined everything and, and ruined everyone's like almost life for the, for the, the, you know, that family. I know. Um, you know, when I look at that, it's almost like this is her first foray into being a technical aunt, right? Both in terms of, okay, there's this young woman that's kind of lost her way and I'm going to help her better herself, you know, for the sake of her child who, you know, it was clear that Lydia thought that that boy was, you know, really bright and special um, and had concerns. And, you know, when they're sharing that Christmas moment, I don't know if you caught it, but Noelle calls Lydia, Aunt Lydia. She says, you know, say thank you to Aunt Lydia. So I feel like, you know, they'd kind of adopted her as this aunt figure, aunt figure, however you want to pronounce it. So that's kind of where the name came from. And because of her calling Aunt Lydia, Aunt Lydia, it makes me wonder, is Aunt Lydia the person that came up with the whole infrastructure for the, the whole ant system? Oh, yeah. You know, it's wild. Just as you started saying all that, I'm thinking the same thing. And because of what we saw in the, you know, current time with the, how they were choosing it and the power that they had, was she possibly, maybe that's why she gets so much respect. Um, and maybe, you know, this was her, how she came up with this format 
Yeah. And I think with her family law background, like in some ways it makes a lot of sense. Like, okay, they're looking at files of people and they're matching handmaids with households. And, you know, it's like you would match children with foster parents. It's really, I don't know. Uh, it's really bizarre. It's almost like now these handmaids have become the chil- both the children she's looking after as well as like the women she's trying to save and make better. Yeah, and I guess like we're almost seeing yeah, I, I there's a slight comparison I guess to from Noel to to June because yes. we've seen I I mean I've gotten so many like little glimpses and and, and little like grasps at hope from aunt Lydia and she like just these little moments. Like uh, I forget the, the one handmaid with the eye who got busted in the eye, Janine, like with the way she cares for Janine and then bam snaps on her that one day. Like then, you know, after she gets hurt, like you feel like maybe her and June are going to warm up and she seems like she, she would then snaps again. Like she doesn't, let it get too far and it's almost like a tool and now i think it makes a lot more sense as to maybe aunt lydia's game maybe we we were hoping for aunt lydia to be you know a way out or a way to fix it but aunt lydia is more you know the enemy i guess from you know unless unless you're mike pence like she's the enemy yeah no, um, yeah, and I think we'll we'll talk about that a little more when we just kind of get into the meat of the episode. But you know, there were a couple of things with Aunt Lydia's backstory that were also just kind of I thought very interesting. And you mentioned that you know is June almost the representation of Noel in Gilead? I do kind of feel like that is why she tries so hard with June like maybe she has some shred of regret about what went down with Noel and Ryan which you know ultimately she ended up getting not totally rejected by the guy who I think was the principal of the school and you had the actor's name yeah uh, John Ortiz Yeah, who was great and really was very fond of Lydia. She was fond of him, but she was just so sexually aggressive with him. He's like, whoa, you know, he kind of put on the reins and it wasn't a total rejection of her. It was just like, hey, I need to take things slower, which. And it was just after having the conversation of of him having, I guess, being widowed for a few years, like, and never going out, like this is a big step. So like, and he didn't, and he said, I'd like to see you, you know, and she's, and she doesn't even like turn around, like, and get, look, look again. Like it was so bizarre. Like, I don't know, like they had some, they had some drinks. You think that like, she'd maybe, I don't know, like be a little bit looser with like, like if she was going to go there, don't be so, you know, hardcore to not, listen yeah it was it was definitely a big swing and part of me wonders like you know did she almost blame noelle for this 
what she maybe perceived as a failure with this man because Noelle kind of gave her the confidence, the makeup, telling her she was, you know, really worthy of love and had a lot of love to give, which, you know, inspired Aunt Lydia to put herself out there. It was almost like she then twisted it to be like, Noelle is a corrupting influence on me and is definitely no good for this child. And so then as a result, she rats her out to social services. And I think what I found really disturbing, and I mean, maybe that school was like a religious school, but I almost think that society had taken a strange turn already towards like a more pious fervor because the, you know, the, uh, I don't know what you would call him, child welfare agent was like, oh, you know, morally corrupt or something about Noelle because she'd had three boyfriends in the last six months or something. Yeah, like moral weakness. And uh, it, it was also, we don't know the particular time frame, how close to the like overthrow this was. So right. you're you're right. Like it could be because we did see in June's backstory, the, the different levels of tension building and, 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 you know, I guess people turning and whatnot. Um, but unfortunately, you know, if, if, if a teacher does make the call and, you know, in any situation, even today, um, they, it's something that they don't play around with CPS and they, they, they will, like he said, they take at least for seven days and until they investigate. And I think that if, you know, it, it turns out, you know, everything was up and up, you know, then they would go after the teacher who, who, you know, put the, the call through. Um, yeah. But, you know, it, it, it did, you know, even, even not knowing the outcome of that, um, if she got him back in seven days, just the fact that she would go through those lengths instead of trying to help and, and, and just completely turn on everyone and even the principal, like he wouldn't even look at her anymore. He would have went out with her, with her in the first, like he would have went over for chili with them and, and yeah. would have definitely dated her the whole time. Didn't even need help with anything from the well. Yeah, I, I completely agree. And I think, yes, he was definitely turned off by Lydia when she reported that mother, you know, when she reported Noel, you could just see it on his face. He was, he was kind of baffled. I don't know. It was he really known, sad. He had known how close they got over these yeah. months or weeks or whatever, you know, time frame. And, you know, it's, it's, it really is the, like an awful outcome to something that, I was hoping to be like a really wild backstory, but it, it fits, you know, yeah. unfortunately this, this show is not that, you know, all right, here we go. You know, cause I, I, I kind of like that about it, even though it's, it sounds twisted, but like, I'm, I like every show is like usually like a hurrah moment. This show we get a, huh? Oh, <laughs> yeah. we gotta, uh, uh, uh. never yeah. get the raw ever. I haven't been to raw yet once. It, there was one raw. All right. I, my one raw moment was, I believe the end of the first season when they were in the market or the might've been early second season when they were in the market and they started saying their names. 
Yeah. That, that was, had chills yeah. in that, that yeah. scene. That was the yeah. best scene so far for me. That was a raw, but, but then it was shot down. So, but yeah, like there's, you know, you shouldn't expect the hurrah for, I guess, but like this was really like putting it into place. And, yeah. and I guess we'll see how it fits into the episode. Yeah. Um, before we move on to the rest of the episode and kind of what happened with June and in present time, I do want to just call out two things that I think like really like clinch the formation of the character we know now as Aunt Lydia, which was we saw her hair down for all of this backstory until that episode, that, that scene where she decided to rat out Noel to child services. That's when she had her updo. Um, that was the first time we saw that. And then when Noel comes and is like just kind of screaming bloody murder at her, like, how could you do this to us? You know, we really trusted you. She says, this is your fault, Noel, which kind of harkens back. And this is why I think Aunt Lydia had to have created this infrastructure of the aunts and the handmaids when they put them through these crazy shame cycles. Although I think Aunt Lydia calls it confession is, um, or testament is. Testify, it, testify. It, yeah, it's your fault. It's your fault. And she's like, this is your fault, Noel. And so it all kind of like came together. I'm like, is this how this all started for these handmaids and the ants? It's just so bazonkers. Yeah, and, and she knows, you know, we've you know what we see that she has the files but she also knows like the way she would talk about um joseph that like he's almost like off limits to, for her like to yeah. like investigate and stuff like there's certain commanders that like you know she, she seems to have like a little bit of pushover but then like these other ones that are like like she just cowls to so like maybe she was part of some sort of infrastructure like um like uh sabrina was and then when the you know the hammer came down and you know they said well just because you set this up now you know you gotta act a role because you're a woman you know that could be like to me that that should be conflicting in her head. Like when, you know, anybody like that, like that's why we see Sabrina sometimes conflicted knowing she helped put this emotion and it, it's messing up what possibly should be the future for her daughter. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Like things you, they didn't think about in the beginning, just like uh, Joseph's wife. So it's, it's you know to me that's why I thought like there's gonna be a crack in it, Lydia. But but now I see like you know I doubt that. Yeah, no, I do too. And it really doesn't matter how many times I think that she like literally gets stabbed in the back or has a gun pointed at her, <laughs> um, as we see later. That you know I don't I don't think those things bring her any kind of level of remorse, which is also um, pretty interesting. But um. So moving away from Aunt Lydia, let's kind of get back into Gilead present day and what's happening with June and of Matthew after their big showdown last week. Um, 
which was pretty shocking. Um, I mean, you know, June, June was about ready to strangle. Well, she was strangling of Matthew at one point before the other handmaids tore her off her. But, you know, they open, they're at one of these weird birthing ceremonies and um, everyone's being mean to of Matthew and, you know, Aunt Lydia sees this and, and then she decides to school them with this whole testimony thing. I mean, what did you think of that? Well, all right, let's start with the, 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 at the ceremony. There was a lot of weirdness happening. All right. So like I, I, them being cold to her was, I guess, justified because, you know, a lot of the, of the people of the women are starting to know about the network between um, the, the, um, the handmaids and uh, I'm sorry, what do they call the uh, mothers? Marvis? The Marthas, yeah. the mothers, the Marthas, like right, they're starting to know that there's things happening. They know what went down with June. So like June, June's story is almost like, like a fable that that probably spreads throughout the you know the land. Yeah, and that people have hope with. So you know that's why like June gets this like I guess like pedestal. So they're you know they're looking out for her, and that's cool, but. A, it's very obvious. And when Aunt Lydia says to her, get your friends to stop it, that to me was like a tell right there that you guys all tipped your hand that you're a network. And she basically knows who was in the network. And, and you know, she's observing this whole thing. And, you know, we find out later you know, that, you know, especially of Matthew was basically her undercover handmaid. So getting all that info and, and telling, you know, June's, uh, you know, little things that she tells, because like that little opening up that June saw and they had that little, you know, all right, maybe we're cool. It was just to, you know, press for more info and intel. And Aunt Lydia basically like flipped this all. So now she knows about like everything from the, the, you know, the, the um, grocery store, the, the talking, the little network. So like all these things compiled with the backstory, I don't to make me like think that. And then we see the, you know, later on what we'll talk about with, with the assignments, it's not going to be good for anybody. It, you know, it also comes up with, with, with uh, Hannah. Yeah. I mean, but thinking about Aunt Lydia um, and June, you know, don't you think that Aunt Lydia, I think Aunt Lydia has, in some ways, she's aware that June causes trouble, but in another way, I think she has a real blind spot because, you know, June was the one that basically protested against stoning Janine to death at the end of season one, right? And she led those other handmaids. Like, it wasn't intentional, but all of them decided to follow June in, you know, dropping their stones and saying, I'm sorry. And then even, you know, when their um, Aunt Lydia and the two other aunts are at their table sipping, I don't know, bourbon or brandy, which I thought was really funny. Um, you know, they've got their binders of handmaids and, 
and, you know, trying to decide which households they're going to go to. She even kind of, you know, at first she's like, you know, why would God give someone like of Joseph, which is June, you know, two healthy children. But then later she's like, so is of Joseph a bad apple or is it the barrel that she's in? Is it this, these, this commander's house that is the problem? We never had issues with of Joseph before the Waterfords. <laughs> a problem household to say the least. And she was there for all that business with Emily. And Lily. Trouble with two walking partners. Now three. And of Matthew is pregnant. The Calhoun's baby must be protected. Not every household and handmaid is a good fit. Environment cannot be underestimated as an influence. Sometimes it's the apple, and sometimes it's the barrel. So I even think, like, it's not the commander's house. It is June, but it, it still, uh -huh. she's, like, kind of turning this weird blind eye, and it brings me back to thinking, like, is this about more Noel? You know, I was thinking she was talking about is it uh, the the fertility or is it because she hasn't been gotten pregnant yet? Hmm. Yeah, I mean, but it could be both. Like, yeah, like yeah. It, it plays both ways. Um, yeah. Because that that whole thing is that whole thing is is very bizarre in itself. But I feel also like again when you know before they even get to the to the the ceremony, uh, you know, the testify thing, June is really pushing her luck. Like oh, yeah. the way these people just have no qualms about killing someone, you know, like they killed that Martha that, you know, of Hannah's for, you know, this little quote unquote conspiracy thing. Well, like, June's still alive. Is it really necessary, like, for her TV appearance? They really have to have her behind there. Like, I don't think that's enough weight to to yeah. to be treated this way. Or if so, like, just not be locked in a in a room somewhere until you're needed. Like, it, it. I don't know. Like, it seems that the the uh, necessity of like the pregnant women isn't like as dire as it was in the first season like like i don't know like she seems very expendable but you know they're not making it seem that way like there's no consequence she's doing a lot of things yeah i mean i i have to agree and we saw two handmaids hung along with hannah's martha in the last episode so we know that yes handmaids are expendable we don't know why they were up there um you know, we've heard that if a handmaid can't produce a child, that eventually they get sent to the colonies. And, you know, I think even June's first assignment, she was somewhere before she was with the Waterfords and she didn't get pregnant. So, you know, and she wouldn't have been able to get pregnant at the Waterfords if it hadn't have been for the intervention of Serena with Nick. If that hadn't come into play, she probably would be in the colonies by now. But yeah, there's something about her where she's, it does feel like she's getting some weird level of special treatment. And um, I don't think it's just about Nicole. I do think there is kind of this weird soft spot with Aunt Lydia. And I mean, I think Commander Lawrence and becoming part of that household was like a huge benefit for June. I don't know how much longer that's going to last, but 
I, I don't know if, uh, I know some people are really anti-spoiler. I don't know if you watched ahead to see like the sneak peek of next week's episode, but you mentioned why isn't she just like locked up in a room somewhere? And there's something in line with that that is going to happen. So we'll see how that goes. Yeah, I, I don't watch them. Um, just because I got in the habit of doing it a few years back and I just enjoy watching TV that way now. Um, but I don't mind hearing it because if I didn't hear from you last week, I wouldn't have known this was going to be the Aunt Lydia yeah. backstory. And I, you know, which what got, which is what got me very excited this week. Well, I think we were just kind of talking about, you know, it seems like June is getting special treatment. Um, oh, but, yeah. but I mean, I think we really see her turn a very bad corner in this episode. Like, you know, it, at the beginning of the season, she was gracious to a fault almost. Like she seemed very tolerant and forgiving of both Serena and Fred and was like being super kind. And I think at one point Axel just even said, yeah, June is almost Christ-like and how kind she's being to people. Um, I think now she's more like Cersei Lannister, if probably worse. I think she's always been calculated. The whole I, she's never bought into any of this. She's always been playing the role. She is so good at at knowing what to who what how to act towards like the right people. And and I think that's where Commander Lawrence and her are having a hard time because she played the shit out of the Waterfords. Like oh yeah, I you know mean, what I mean. Yeah, she played, she played Aunt Lydia. She's played every, uh, you know, partner handmaid that she's had. Um, that was, you know, really not down. Um, like, just like she's, I think she just at times also has kind of snapped like into like holy shit mode. Um, I think when like, you know, at certain points in the seasons when things were like no hope, she kind of like just like chilled out and like got in her head and just bided her time. But yeah. I think she, this whole time she's finding cracks everywhere. And that's why I want to jump to the scene with the testifying circle. Okay. Now I found this to be like, um, almost like more twisted than usual. Um, the way that, they were like so close and you know like all scolding of each other and she almost cra cracks june and blames june and june actually owns it all june knows like i i did all this but june at the same time i feel like is saying you all did this like i did this because you did this so yeah. i think she's justifying and i i i don't know like this we haven't seen this testifying circle like this, like this, like cl so close knit in a circle. And then when she, uh, you know, exposes of Matthew, it was almost like, again, her playing her hand to Aunt Lydia, like knowing I know how to play your yeah. game. Like I yeah. know how to mess your shit up. You're, you know, 
you want to do this to me, let's now take down your spy. And again, it's, it's, you know, another pushy move and, and Lydia sort of can't do anything about it, but in the end we we're seeing she can, she could pull the commander Lawrence rug from out under her. Yeah. I mean, um, so I feel like we have not, we have seen that, testimony testifying circle before but it was it was really early in season one when they were training and Janine was in the middle of it talking about a time where she had been gang raped and oh, it was like is on whose fault was that? And they're like, it's your fault. It's your fault. And I'm just like, ah. But it was it was more of like an the like auditorium seating. Yeah. Like there there was that classroom style like seating. Like they weren't in a circle. Like that's this true. Was, they I think was, they did have desks. You're right. Yeah. yeah. This was like sick. Yeah. That was like when when you know all those scenes like when when June first came in and you know they they bring you up and you face everybody and you know I I think that was like more the training of them getting in that rhythm of, of scolding together, you know? And, yeah. and, but like that push at the end, the cry baby, cry oh. baby, cry baby. Like, what is that? When did that, that become that to me, that that's like next level torture. Like yeah. that wasn't, that wasn't normal, like conditioning. Yeah. No, it it definitely wasn't. It wasn't a fault thing. It was more of a. It was more bullying. I mean, not that not that those testifying circles are their own really like weird form of religious bullying, but that crybaby um, moment was really rough. I mean, I don't know, poor poor of Michael, like, I think she had the best intentions for as good as intentions as you can have in Gilead, but, um, yeah, she, she's paying for it and she continues to pay for it. But now think about what I was saying about, about June setting everything into motion. Now she outed of Matthew basically of being Aunt Lydia's spy got her like shamed, and what did she do? Pushed her to the point where like a nod of her head, yeah, fed off that chain of events. So cool. it's it's really, you know, could be ironic that it happened, but it could be also again June learning this system and learning how to work it. Yeah, hard. Well and I think before we get to that final scene, which we'll definitely talk about because it was like so much happened so quickly. I, I, I do think, you know, June has snapped into a place we've never seen her before. And I think, you know, the first sign is her writing out of Matthew, but the second moment is, you know, they go to this birthing ceremony and for the second time and the baby dies. It looks like it had the umbilical cord around its neck, which in, you know, considering Gilead and how desperate they are for children, it's like, you know, maybe the prenatal care could be a little better because in any other, you know, childbirth situation, the mother would be hooked up to a monitor and you could hear the child's heartbeat. And, you know, it, it, right. Why? But it's like, why are we, you know, birthing these babies so archaically if they're but, so important? They go to the, to the doctor 
for like the checkups and everything and everything's all these clean rooms and, 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 and his doctors there, what's, why can't the baby be born there? That's, it's kind of weird. I mean, maybe yeah. it's part of the, the biblical text um, that, you know, or with the, whatever weird, you know, thing they rewrote. Um, Cause again, the, to be like, it's, I don't, they never made it clear. Right. I want to ask you like, it's, it's not, I picked up things that, aren't in the old testament i picked up things that like kind of are in the new testament like there's not a lot from the new testament but it's not clear if it's an altered religion if it's if it's somebody wrote this religion like if it's a rewritten religion because there's no like prayers of like that are kind of say something that we would uh would be familiar to, to anybody that follows a major religion? Yeah. You know, it, it is hard to tell. And I think I was thinking it's primarily old Testament just because I've never heard them talk about Christ, Jesus Christ or Jesus. Um, it's always been God or the Lord. Um, and I think that's why I was so surprised that they turned the Washington monument into a huge cross because I just associate the cross with the crucifixion, which is more New Testament. So, right, exactly. Yeah. Right. And you, it doesn't, wouldn't exist in, if it was the Old Testament. Yeah. So, yeah, it's very, um, it does seem kind of jumbled. Yeah, like a I, mashup. Yeah. Uh, awful religious mashup. Um, but so they go to the ceremony and the baby dies and, and June goes home. And uh, Commander Lawrence is like, oh, you know, what was the baby? You'll have to tell Mrs. Lawrence. And she goes, dead. <laughs> and she's just like so blah. And then when June is having this conversation with Commander Lawrence, like he seems pretty jovial. He's like, you're really good for Mrs. Lawrence. And, you know, he's very positive. And she just really schools him. She's like, you know, you could get your wife out. Like you say you love her, but you know, and she kind of tears into him and he, um, I'm actually going to include this clip. You're good with her. You're good for her. Anyway. You act like you care about your wife. I mean, I, I know you don't give a shit about the rest of us. You do realize that this world that you built here is destroying her. And that with one phone call, you could have her out. But you're keeping her hostage. You're not protecting her. You're killing her. He says something like, I bet that felt good. And I'm just thinking nothing feels good to June right now. No, he, he is so hard to read because at one point, you know, you see he's like this crusader helping people and that's how we meet him. Then we just find out, you know, all the Marthas and other handmaids like he's just cold to and they're all afraid of him until June cracks him and he's still 
uncrackable. Like he gives you an inch and then pulls back 12 inches and you don't know. You don't know if he's happy that his wife was happy for a minute. You don't know if he, you know, wants, uh, you know, June to be, you know, like a crusader in the network. Like, I don't know if he's testing her half the time. I don't know if he wants to make a network. I don't know what he's trying to accomplish. Yeah. I don't, you know, he, it's so hard. Like, I don't think that June's suggestion of getting him and his wife out or getting his wife out would have helped anybody because this is something that he kind of created. Like it's a weird situation for him and we don't know anything about what he thinks and why he, what his motives are to help anybody. We just know that he's let things slide and let people better their lives in this shitty world. Yeah. I mean, I think that's fair. I honestly think that he doesn't know what he should really do and what should happen next either. Right. Like I think he's super conflicted and I think he could make some choices that could be really impactful, but I think he's kind of scared to make them. And I think even when June goes to him and she's like, you know, where are the Mackenzie's? Where's Hannah? He goes, I don't know. And I'm not, you know, I wouldn't tell you if I did. And I think it's kind of a, it's like a double-edged sword. Like, does he know? Um, And if he does, he's smart for not telling her. But if he doesn't, it means he's being locked out now. And that probably gives him some pause. And it makes me think about when she said, is my husband in danger? And he's like, we're all in danger, right? Like, like he might know, but he's he might be being vague, like to make yeah, like he he's he's doing it to to toy with her, like like I know your husband's not in danger, but I'm gonna just say we're all in danger. Like it's it's a you know uh, almost like a rhetorical answer, like you it doesn't matter. Um, and the way he you know he's with her, like you're right. Like, I didn't think about it, that maybe not telling her is for her own good because he is looking for June to be part of a bigger picture. Um, And maybe he doesn't want her screwing that up with Hannah because, you know, essentially, unless she was going to grab Hannah at that moment, it was the stupidest thing to go see her. Like, like you you wait until the moment you're going to make that move then you 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 get Hannah and you make contact. Otherwise, you just stay so low key like that. I mean, I I'm not a mother. I'm I'm not a father. Um, you know, but I don't know having you know what that would feel like having you know knowing that your child's so close in you know in Brookline. Um, and you know, taking the tea there and and getting there and you know being on the other side of the world but you like blew so many things you got somebody killed like there's so many bad choices from that that maybe he commander lawrence is like looking out for her with that yeah instead of being a dick but he kind of has to be a dick it's hard hard. yeah no it's it's pretty crazy and i think even that first time that like i do think june was being really pushing the envelope by trying to go see Hannah at her school. Like, it's like, lady, you just need to like, give it a rest. You know, what's, you know, cause you're right. Like what's, what good is it going to do if, unless you can take her right then and there, 
which I think was Jude's initial intent when she first went to the Mackenzie's house in that first episode of the season. Like, yeah, I think that, she was ready to run with her, but then, I mean, the authorities showed up right away. So it's like, oh, I, this isn't going to happen. Yeah, I think she needed to realize, like, she had to think that out better. But, like, I, I, I was, I mean, coming off of, like, uh, you know, I, I had the, I guess, luck or, you know, privilege of being able to barrel from right right into the season from just watching last season. So I didn't have to wait this whole time. Yeah. So, like, I was, like, on the momentum that, like, all right, cool. She's going to grab her. We're, like, going to get away. There's going to be, like, a network, and they're going to, you know, maybe invade and, and, and come in from the north and try to take America back. Like, thinking this whole, like, almost like a Jericho. <laughs> Jericho type thing. I don't know if any, if you ever anybody, you or any of your listeners ever watched that show, but it, you know, like that type of scenario. And it just, again, it was like the her. her uh, oh God. Ugh. I know. No, I know, and that's you know, it's really interesting because I watched some of the behind the scenes stuff and the guy that's you know producing this and you know kind of the lead writer on it just said, you know, we had a lot of fights in the writer's room about June getting into that van with, with, uh, the baby or not like, you know, they like brawled it out, I guess, which I love to hear, uh, especially after, you know, kind of game and game of Thrones where it seemed like very insular and you had just like a couple people in George R. R. Martin making all of the decisions, it was like, it was a big discussion about what should really happen next. And I mean, I don't know, we're, we're at episode eight, there are five episodes left. I think this is going to 13. I mean, I guess the question is, do you think June will get out this season? Do you think she'll survive the season? I mean, I've been thinking, you know, I think she has to get out. Otherwise, she's going to be dead meat. I cannot see her being another season in, in Gilead. Can I ask you, uh, I guess, a similar to Game of Thrones question? Uh, have you read the book? Um, yes, I have read the book, and the book actually quite tidily ends at the end of season one. Perfect. So that was what I, that was going to be my next question. And that being said, I love your point because of about the writers dishing it back and forth because. I, w- I want to know that that there's a team of people because when you have you know a team you know dishing ideas around they could say hey listen like that'll work but let's lo- you know in the long run that won't work and that will and and it also makes it for a changing story where like I was thinking that that they're kind of following a guideline but like taking liberties to, to like fill space. So like, I like to know that it's over in the book. So like, this is fun. Like, so they could go totally like, you know, militaristic and do some wild stuff with, with, with June and and Luke and, and, you know, crazy Canada coming in and, you know, not crazy Canada, but like crazy things like Canada coming in. Um, Sorry, everybody, Jim, especially you, um, you're not crazy. Canada's not crazy, but uh, (laughs) you know, like could happen, but, I don't think it's going to. And I feel like the way they're, they're developing the story by bringing Commander Waterford to DC 
it um and showing us lydia's backstory here showing us the way they're gonna pick them at the you know in the binders and on that lazy susan where they spin them and knowing that i that type of thing i feel like we're gonna get more of an infrastructure type of thing and i think the culmination of the season is going to be if canada gives in and if there's going to be a conflict yeah because it's got to eventually go outside of gilead yeah well and i think that's why it's really interesting the swiss are involved um but also you know i think they said something a couple episodes ago where you know gilead's military is still stronger than Canada's military. So, you know, um, I think that's, that's why Canada's like, okay, maybe we need to talk to these people and negotiate because we don't want to be taken over like Gilead and their military forces are stronger than ours are. So that was disappointing to hear. Yeah. If they took over the, over through the country as is, we still hold the most nuclear weapons on the planet. So right there is enough for nobody to really question anything. Um, from the outside and from also I could see even the Swiss intervening and being frightened in a way. Yeah. Yeah. And you know, like there's so many questions that I would love to be answered. They're kind of irrelevant that don't need to be, but like, how does the UN play in this? Like, did they pack up and leave New York? Like, are they still operating out of there knowing that this is happening? Because if they were like, I, you know, living in New York, I see, you know, being having gone to the city near the the UN, there's all the consulates and ho- fancy hotels that that dignitaries stay in when they they come in from out of town for meetings. So, just being in that environment, you're going to see people who live here. So it's not like you just get ferried to the UN and you're yeah. sheltered from seeing it. So like you would see handmaids and and possibly the the you know the closed mouths or the the veiled mouths like you you know there would be more info and from the way the swiss put it and canada like there's not a lot of detailed information out there yeah. about what's happening inside yeah i i don't think anything like the un exists anymore because you know remembering back to season 1 when they had that whole contingency from Mexico come, it was like, you know, she's like, oh, we're very curious about your culture here in Gilead. So it seemed like that was kind of a first, you know, maybe Mexico is the most desperate, like maybe their fertility rates, it sounds like we're pretty dismal, according to that one official who's like, we haven't had a child born alive in the last six years in my city. So like how far, right, they said the US government did that, right? In the opening? Um, they like they said starting in the fifties and sixties the U.S. government. So like I wonder if it you know was kind of contained to North America or it you know maybe. it's a worldwide thing. Like because this it, it really you know it, it's hard to grasp a lot of it knowing how much world interaction that we currently have as our current situation. So like I couldn't really imagine being shut off from the world. Yeah. You know, it, that, that part of it is tough to really like get in, you know, um, it helps a lot that like all the soldiers, um, are 
in like these paramilitary, just blacked out outfits. You never see anyone's faces that it's like very, um, almost like, like a privatized type thing. So it doesn't feel like country. You yeah. know, you don't get any kind of, any kind of feeling of country. It's all religion. Yeah, no, I agree. Yeah. It's a, it's a, I guess technically I was calling it a theocracy, which is kind of like what Iran was, but I guess, you know, according to like Wikipedia, it's a theonomy, which is the whole economy is based on kind of the scripture in, in the old Testament, which, you know, it's all, it's like any politician, they'll use anything they can to kind of carve out the thing they really want. And I mean, we see that with a lot of the Republicans today, they, at least they used to really, you know, like to use the Bible as, you know, kind of a, a, a guide for what we should and shouldn't be doing regardless of, you know, separation of church and state. But it, that's kind of what it reminds me of. Sure. Yeah. No, like I definitely, you know, get that part, but like, it's just like the cutting off part is very tough. Like I, you know, and the, when you asked like about June, like I would like to have seen June in the van and, you know, things get started, but I feel like the slowness of the show is like its beauty. So I feel that maybe the infrastructure would be more, I don't know. I don't know if it's a, more appealing to me because like every show has the, you know, the battle and the good guys and bad guys. Let's, you know, learning maybe a little more and having episodes where they try to make us sympathize more, you know, even though I'm sure, you know, there's a very few, few slivers of percentage of people who would sympathize, but there's certain points where you start sympathizing with people. Like I was sympathizing with Lydia for a long time and now yeah. she can, you know, go jump off a bridge. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, so, you know, now that we're there and Aunt Lydia didn't get to jump off a bridge, let's talk about how Aunt Lydia almost again got killed. Grocery store mayhem. Woof. Wow. I was not expecting this. I was not expecting this either. It was just so crazy. Like the one thing I was expecting was, okay, so Aunt Lydia's telling June, we think we're going to remove you from the Lawrence household. And, and June doesn't like this. But um, I don't know. I feel like this happened so fast. And but it was in slow-mo. <laughs> yes, exactly. It was so weird. Like, all of a sudden, we see June looking at a Matthew who's crying and was it and holding, like, a can of lobster up to her face, which I'm like, okay, this seems totally bizarre. And then June turns away from her, like, is shunning her. Like, I'm not even seeing you. June... And knew the switch i told you that's what i was getting at before june set this up not this particular thing but she was she knew there was going to be a moment she saw the moment in her eyes like that's how good the that i think the the nonverbal communication the lack of being able to verbally communicate as much is coming into play these looks and glances yeah. are powerful she knows the weak handmaidens the, the weak people and she knows just how, how to, to break them. them. It was just like, like, oh, you're crying. 
and she gives it like that look of like okay and turns around and then it was like holy shit and and i uh, you know i forgot to ask like is this a a, um a cuss-free podcast no, you can you can go ahead. I put it as explicit because some of the clips I use totally have language in it. All right, yeah, because I you know I I sometimes have a potty mouth. Me too. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, so like that whole thing was bananas, and well, and know. just how like poor Janine, God, this girl is just like literally uh, like the whipping post, like time after time. She tries to comfort of Matthew, and then of Matthew takes that can of lobster and just starts wailing on her. I'm like, that was what really got me. I was just like, oh my god, she just totally snapped. Like, I just, ugh, wow. I, it was, and and then just the way it played out, like the guard takes him out, grabs his gun, yeah. and oh, I just, it was so close. June gave her the nod. June gave her that nod. So, like, but did you think? Because at first I thought that I thought that nod was like June's, like go ahead, bitch, shoot me. Right? No, it like, was do it to Lydia. Aunt Lydia. Oh, yeah. And then it was like, oh, she turns on Aunt Lydia. June knew she wasn't gonna shoot her. June knew that that she like owned her at that point. Like it was almost like like you know in jail like turning out her pocket, making her hold it. Like, that was like, I got you. Like, you're you're part of my thing now. Like, you know, like, the way she set her up in, in, the, in the testify circle, like, that was, you know, her, her like, real taking the power. And, and, and it was just uh, totally perfect. Like, it could have been a different scenario but and June would have known the signal, you know, like June would have known, like, wow, she's gonna snap right now, and uh, it was it was wild, wild, yeah. and then uh, she, and we were so close to well, just watching that, Aunt Lydia go. That look on June's face, which was like so freaking crazy, like she was like happy and it was blank almost. And well, it, but at first she had this like crazed look in her eye, like she was totally enjoying it. I hurt her, and I enjoyed it. The wives and aunts, too, grieving over of Andy's dead child. And Lawrence, they all deserve to suffer. It's an acquired taste seeing others in pain, like that smoky scotch Luke got as a gift once. I grew to like that. That's new. May the Lord open. But there was this one look she had. It was only like, they were only on her for a few seconds, but I was like, oh my God, she's it, like a freaking sociopath now. It was like a natural born killer scene. Yes, yes, yeah, yeah. yeah like she, it, you're right. It, like it was like that blank, crazy eye stare. Like, like without the smile, it was like the straight smirk. You know what I'm saying? Like, like it, it, you know, it could have been taken either way. And you knew that she, she, put the wheels in motion and you see again like Lydia just kind of looking back like knowing like Lydia knows what what went, just went down even though she didn't get killed she knows exactly how this happened because she's just as smart as June is with that yeah no they're a very interesting match um I don't know 
yeah, it was, it was crazy. And I do feel like I'm so sad. I mean, I'm so sad because I feel like the first four episodes of the season were like, yeah, like things are happening, getting in motion. We're going to like start the revolution. And then it just like took a pivot and it's just been downhill ever since. And that's why I'm like, are we going to recover from this season? Like we've got five more episodes to do it, but I'd like to see it like us coming out of the, you know, crevasse of hell, because that's what it feels like right now. I, I, I would love to see the uptick, but I don't see it unless, you know, like, unfortunately I see Canada handing over the baby and it's going to be like, once they do that, that, now gives them that much more power like that's why this whole scenario of him in washington and you know gaining more influence like he's gonna be powerful um if he pulls this off which i pretty sure he will because that's you know where it's looking he's gonna have some more power that's why i feel like it's gonna be more about infrastructure and then i feel like with the swiss thing there you know, it might be like, you know, trying to intervene or trying to now make a deal and then maybe like an outside influence not agreeing with our way of living, how I guess we kind of don't agree with certain things. And, you know, as you know, a society you say, we, you know, we go and invade certain countries that are like, uh, you know, uh, committing, uh, you know, uh, like war crimes and stuff like that. Yeah like this could human be, rights violation right there you go thank you uh it was on the back tip of my tongue and right so this is you know basically um i mean you kind of consider it a human rights violation to be forcibly raped and oh, have yeah. your closed and be told not to read or write i mean sort of i don't i don't, I don't know what the standards are in this day and age well, I mean, we've got a whole bunch of kids at the border who aren't even be giving toothbrushes, oh, and I God. think they're calling that a rights violation. So, right, and it, yeah. yeah, it's terrible. I mean, it, yeah. you know, there's unfortunately, like, it's it's bizarre to think, you know, like timing of a show like this, and when you know, I was so surprised on one of your episodes when you had one of your friends on. Um, talking about the book and and how it was written in 85 and I was yeah. like blown away because I'm sure you know we could have sat around and talked about the world in 85 and how it would compare to this and how look it's right around the corner you know uh you know things like uh you know the the uh I can't even think of it from when I was younger but you know like there was a lot of tv a lot of tv religious stuff a lot of like those books you know trying to like scientology getting sold mm-hmm. dianetics and all that stuff like there was movements like you know and like i guess you could probably see it then and like now you know it's almost like you could see it from not like within almost almost like from like the government like collapsing almost and it's like mm-hmm. it, it you know, are these people out there? You ever wonder? Like, it's it's wild that they release it at this time, and, and there's so many things that reflect on our society. Unfortunately, like that's yeah. crazy. You know, like yeah. you know, I get into it, and then I'm watching this awful stuff, and then this whole nonsense with the South, and and you know, I guess we it, we all started with you know getting the uh, 
Supreme Court back and this whole questioning Roe versus Wade again, like, like rights being revoked again. Like, like what, what's like backwards? How are we going yeah. backwards? And I'm watching this show at this time and I'm like, like, why does this feel like, you know, like reality show? And it's, it was bugged out and, and it's kind of bugged out that it, it, that it's going on. And I guess a lot of what they can write now, like what they can write now going forward can parallel certain things that we'll be familiar with. Yeah. Uh, and that'll kind of scare the shit out of us even more. Um, well, and I think that's what's so crazy is they were filming this before Trump was even elected. So it's, it's almost like, and even some of the, like, I just remember watching season two and there was one episode that was really focusing on separating the children from their parents. And it was at the same time, all the stuff at the Southern border started going on. Like, there's no way to predict that that's going to happen. And they'd film this months in advance, but like the parallels with how the show is airing and then what's actually happening is so mm. creepy. It's so creepy. If you just expose the Illuminati, then right. <laughs> you better watch out because they're coming out for podcasts now. They listen. They listen. Uh, well, this, you know, this could have been in, in motion. They're like, listen, we're going to make a show, get everybody familiarized with it, and then we're going to set it into motion. Oh, God. I mean, wow. I, already have, I already have the veil picked out for all my of, of Tim's. Oh, really? Ah, oh, yeah, nice yeah. of you. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Excellent. It's, it has an open mouth, though, so like you could talk out of it. That's good. Um, have you seen the show on HBO called Years and Years? I have not. It's a new, there's only three episodes out so far. It takes place in Britain, mainly. Emma Thompson's in it. But I feel like it is the prequel to The Handmaid's Tale, just because of the stuff that's happening. It's, is this the, when she's a reporter? No. Um, no, she's not a reporter. Oh, that was a movie, that, I think, right? When, when, yeah, I think that's Late Night, maybe. She, okay. She's got a movie out now, too. But this is, she almost plays kind of like a female version mashup of Oprah and Donald Trump, but in the UK. And she gets into politics. I, I, I did see the, the, the yeah, it looked like that movie that she's in, right? It looked very similar. I saw the, yeah. I saw the trailer. So this is, it's, it's similar to the themes like in this, what we're talking about? Well, it's, it's similar, but different. Like there's definitely a lot of stuff going on, but it's really kind of like about how governments almost around the world are breaking down. And then there are some weird tech technology elements to it too. So it's kind of weirdly futuristic, but a lot of the same things, a lot of, you know, immigrants fleeing their home countries, seeking asylum elsewhere. Um, but it's just, it's just bonkers. It's like this, but it's like a different version of this. It's like, oh, this could potentially be the prequel to The Handmaid's Tale. We don't even know it yet. Um, Here's another weird Handmaid's Tale thing. Why, like, are all the colors stripped out of everything? Like, why did, does it look like they went and got, like, wallpaper from 1955 and rehung it back up? Like, where, like, how did color disappear from everything? You know, that is what is so, I, I do think that's odd. And I don't think it's just a production choice because there was a scene last episode where Serena is with 
um, Mrs. Winslow, and they're looking at that house. Yes, the one that they, that they could possibly redo. Yeah, and she's like, this is like one of the last houses in the neighborhood that could be restored. And so it's like restored back to its, you know, super bleak, as you were saying, like gray wallpaper. And, and you know, was stuff in it, right. Then yeah. they were looking at things in it and like, it was like a book in there. I think Serena was like, whoa, like there was something in there. I, I, I think something like that, you know. Like, yeah, like family photos. It was like more kind of modern. and Right, right. And if they, it's like they go backwards. Like what I would like, like, see, it would be cool if there was like a sermon episode. I would like to hear them, someone speak and say, so we stripped the color for this reason. And we like, tell us why you're creating Gilead. Like what, like who's like your supreme like billy graham like where who like who's telling you what's going on like where's where's the joel Osteen? Yeah. like who's talking who's who's the one setting the the rules that everybody apparently knows you know what i'm saying like yeah. everybody's on board but we don't know what the rules are except for like saying these bizarre phrases to each other and yeah. like, like the greetings and and salut you know salutations like like oh okay Lovely yeah day. Who is who is the big poobah? Because I don't think we've seen him from a religious standpoint, and we haven't seen him from a political standpoint. I feel like the highest level person we've now seen is Commander Wins, High Commander Winslow. He's a high commander, not just a commander. But there's got to be someone above him. So I mean, I don't know. It's uh, maybe we'll find out. But yeah, and I think that's like what the Swiss were saying is like we can't figure out what's going on in this place, and it's like yeah the viewers can't either we don't understand like how everything's laid out you know who's really in charge and you know. i mean one good thing that i think we can can be safely say that the revenue that the vatican would lose if this really happened would would be oh yeah possible to let happen so that i, I think we're safe <laughs> Yeah, the Pope would get involved. Yeah, because they tore Swiss Guard over here. Be like, yo, mark them now. They they tore down the Catholic churches. Like that, you know, we saw that in season one. That that church that Hannah was baptized in was a Catholic church, and yeah, that would be um, yeah, that would be a big money maker. Cut right, when it comes to money, you know that that they put they put a stop to everything. Like that. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, we don't even see currency really in this. We don't. There's so many things that. Our, that society lacks that like really interests me that that the one episode that i really liked was when when um june dressed as a martha and you got to see how the other people lived and and in the the you know the um dry cleaning place and and all the the other people like there's got to be so many more people like how you know other people have to be standing up like what's the submission how do you how are you holding so many people under submission there's there can't yeah. be that many soldiers you know at every turning point of the whole country that's that's yeah. what kind of is bizarre like did did they maybe like you know bring the people in tighter like say you know uh take them out of rural areas and like tighten them up and and put like you know, borders, uh, you know, it's, I would love to know these things. Uh, yeah. I know they're kind of insignificant to the overall themes of the show, but like they would help me feel like, com 
not more comfortable, just feel like more in place with this, this, this crazy world. Because yeah. you, as soon as we get off the plane and get hit Canada, it's all colors and colorful and, you know, you see everything. It's, you know, so it's not like the, it's a, a filming, you know, choice, uh, what do you call it, a, a, like a lens, you know, trying to use a special technique. It's actually meant to look bleak. Yeah. Like yeah. that's why, and the one weird thing, like every, they drive all these black Escalades and, and big giant trucks, and then Miss the Commander uh, Lawrence has this wild BMW. Right? Yeah, he's he's special. <laughs> it's just yeah, certain little inconsistencies that, like, I don't know, kind of want to know why. Yeah. But you yeah. know, it, it, it's 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 all in good fun, I, and that's why I I really love listening to you and, and when you have guests on like because it's the little things that you know we all wonder about that sometimes you know you hear someone else talk about be like makes you know makes things put in make sense and get put into place yeah makes things pop out no totally well um i think we're kind of like getting to the end of things do you have like a sister or a mr resistor for the week either from the show or from real life? I've been thinking real hard and I I have I had a couple. Um, I'm going to give a couple from real life and okay. it's one's like almost two weeks old now, but it was the sister is sister Lady Gaga from her speech at Pride in New York, World Pride. Uh, if you can catch it, it was uh, like the day before the actual Pride Parade. It was a um, a concert that was going on, but she gave like a 15 minute speech that just, it was beautiful. Oh, okay. Is ultimate sister resistor and unifier of people. And it was awesome. So she, I've been holding that one in my pocket and then I have the second one only because it happened so fast. And this is the country resistor. And this tomorrow, well, we're recording this on Saturday night um, and Sunday, our glorious uh, commander-in-chief of the United States of America is sending his ICE team to raid oh. all of the tri-state areas. Uh, so Here too. I want to give a shout out to anybody who's been helping people resist that and not answer questions, tell them to not answer their doors and tell them to not fall for any of their tricks because they use tricks. And that's, you know, like to me, like I couldn't think of a more important resistance thing that's happening right this moment than that. Yeah. No, I guess I really don't have anyone from the show this week because it was, um, it was all pretty bleak and bad. And I mean, June's just kind of, I don't know, turned a corner where anything she tries to do is not having any positive traction. But um, my kind of sister resistors of the week, I'm going to go with um, all the young girls, underage girls, um, who were victims of Jeffrey Epstein, because I feel like, you know, they, they tried to have their voices heard before. And, you know, now um, that kind of these new charges are coming up against him, they're finally having their voices heard. And I just think it's, it's really important for, 
you know, girls and women of any ages to, to speak out against um, sexual abuse and, and in this case, sexual trafficking. And um, yeah, this is next, you know, next level. Yeah. And, and it's, it's awful when you see that they're all grown up telling their story. And yeah. Not, and they were like 14 not, before right, and they're being right called, after this happened. Right. Exactly. Yeah. They're being called underaged women when this happened. It's like, no, they were girls. Exactly. It's all about phrasing. That's, that's, yeah. that's, that's, that's how they downplay it. And, you know, and, and this whole, this whole thing is sickening too, because, you know, thankfully they're coming out now and, and, and talking because, you know, no one would have even realized that the, you know, the, the DA, who basically let this guy slide on a bullshit charge uh, and, and get off on nonsense now has a spot in the cabinet, you know, like, come on, like that doesn't tell you something like, like that, you know, this is all, this is all tied. It's all a sham. Like, yeah. you know, so if these people, if people don't come out and speak up, then we won't know about these things. Yeah. Yeah. You know, like, it goes away quick. Like this is, and this is, this guy's been tied to some like nonsense conspiracy theory that was going around like six years ago uh, called Pizzagate that was supposed to make Hillary look bad, that she was involved with this out of a pizzeria with him, with Epstein and, and, and some island. And, and, you know, and that all came out. They tried to all tie this into to that with all these Hollywood people. But basically, it's this scumbag that's so rich that just knows everybody. And unfortunately, when you're in these circles of rich people, yeah, knowing them makes you sometimes, you know, a co-conspirator and whatnot. It makes you look bad. And if, you know, the media wants to sell it or some outlet wants to sell it that way, you know, they try to slander you. But, you know... The, the, the president all of a sudden downplays and said he, he cut ties with this guy and that's okay. No one looks, looks at that, but like, you know, it's it just, it's all about optics. And, you know, I, I, I big up you for calling out these sister resistors cause they, you know, I, I applaud all of them. And I, I, you know, I have a lot of respect for women and this show. If, if you didn't have respect for women and you watch this show and you don't, you're in it you just you don't get it like if you you yeah. know this if, if you don't have respect for women and you watch this this sh should bring something out of you you know like this has yeah. to do this show like you're you're an evil person if not so like you know and then just to see it is is you know it's heartbreaking and then to know that real life's not far away oh, yeah but wow. Not no. to end on such a downer note. Nah, resist. That's it. Resist. Yeah. Let's be happy. Resist. We had we had our beautiful ladies of the U.S. women's team get you know come and win this week. We had a lot of good sisters out there doing a lot of big things, and you know, I'm down. Down with the resisting Gilead of Gina. I appreciate it. Well, and I appreciate you coming on to share your thoughts about this show with me because because the last couple episodes honestly were pretty hard to do solo because it took that really downer turn and I'm just like ugh, how am I going to do this so it's nice to just have someone to to really talk through it with and you know kind of get perspectives and have more of a discussion it makes it much more easier and it's nice to to just have company and and something that's kind of so deep and heavy so thank you so much for being my guest this week 
Oh, it's been a privilege. I really appreciate it. And I, I, again, I applaud you for getting into the whole podcasting game and, and joining in and taking it by the reins because you're doing a great job. And this is a really, really good podcast. You know, uh, just as a standalone podcast, a great podcast, but your angle bringing it to what you bring to the show I, enhances it, especially for me. Oh, um, thank you. I get to hear more of a, a woman's side of a woman's show. I, I, I really wouldn't want to hear guys talking about the show every week. Yeah, I know. It would be a little, little odd, right? <laughs> yeah. Uh, you know, he'd be afraid to get, get a little too Mike Pensy probably, um, which would be horrible. But. Yeah, like, oh, I like that scene when she brought him all that food and he was laying on the couch. Um, but, you know, it's not really great. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> no, nah, but this is it's it's great what you do and um I'm looking forward to the next episode even though I haven't seen the the preview I'm sure it'll be great and I know you have some great guests on the schedule I was looking and uh yeah. you know if uh if something opens up towards the end of the season and there's a week and you want me back on I'll gladly join in. Okay, great. No, that'd be great. Okay. All right. Well, thank you very much for joining us this week. Uh, if you have any feedback, please feel free to email me at resistinggilead at gmail.com. And as always, don't let the bastards grind you down. <laughs>